Honestly, I swear to God, this happens. Oh, we're live! Hello! Welcome to Shooting the Shit. Crikey Bobbles. That's been a trauma trying to get live today. We've had to ditch be live and we've come onto StreamYard and we've still got technical problems. Anyway, we are here. And today we have a very special episode. As you will see, we have two non shitters on the show today because we are celebrating the International Day against transphobia, homophobia, and biphobia. And we're going to do that by talking about transphobia in the workplace. So first of all, Helena, what's your name and where do you come from? Helena. My name is Helena, Helena. and I'm from Lincoln. <laughs> Marvellous. And Joe, what's your name and where do you come from? My name's Joe, and I'm based in Surrey, but originally from Leicester. Hey, there we are. Leicester and Lincoln near each other. Yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah about an hour a bit, yeah. Oh, okay, same part of the world. And Miranda, what's your name and where do you come from? Well, I'm Miranda and I live just outside Lincoln. Oh, I'm so you're off, well, I'm... <laughs> yeah, you're on the move. On. <laughs> on the move because everything's gone tits up. Right, can you yes, hear me? Yeah. Yes. We can hear you, yeah. I mean, everything's gone tits up is essentially the strap line for today's episode. That's the general theme that we're going with, so we'll stick with that. Um, yeah, and I'm Rachel. I'm from Bake Up, so I'm, I'm the only one up in North today. So that makes a change, doesn't it? Uh, so, lots of stuff to talk about. As, we, as I've already said, May the 17th, every year, International Day against transphobia, homophobia, and biphobia. Not specifically in the workplace, but obviously we are a feminism plus business channel, so the workplace is what we are talking about today. Um, I was reading a few articles before we came on, actually doing some research for a change, um, and there, there was one article, in fact, I think I posted it on the, uh, on the group a couple of days ago. It said that actually uh, more people are scared now of telling their work colleagues that they are gay or trans or whatever than five years ago. Apparently, two thirds now fear revealing it to their employees, uh, employers, or the people that they work with. Whereas previously, it was only about twenty percent. There is uh, some indication that the pandemic has changed that. So obviously, people are working from home; they're not in the office. They might feel a little bit more secure in, in talking about that. Um, but. The fact that we seem to be going backwards on these statistics is absolutely bloody terrifying. Um, and and why is that? Why do we think it is? And what are we going to do about it? So, first of all, Joe, I'm going to come to you first. Have you ever experienced any of these kind of transphobia, homophobia, or anything in your workplace? Well, my current workplace is just me. Um, <laughs> during my time as um, in employed I must be honest I did not see any to my I didn't experience it didn't see it to my knowledge um but I did as I've talked about before on on this podcast most of my experience was, to start with was quite a, a smaller kind of setup we were a, a group of 16 mainly women um yeah. but then moved into a larger uh, a large more mixed uh, well much larger uh, building and lots of other people but I can't actually speak from experience in the workplace on this. Sure. I was reading an article before actually it was one of the when I googled transphobia in the workplace an article came up from a bookseller that was saying that that um, some some uh, I think it was a share audio 
had written an open letter only like last year saying that homophobia and transphobia and things were rife in in the publishing world do you think you didn't experience it just because you know as you said you were mainly a female-led team so there perhaps weren't any gay people or trans people or whatever on your team do you think that maybe that's why or do you think it's generally a, a good industry I, I wouldn't i can't for a second speculate and say that it's a good industry i don't think I, I don't think there are any are any leading industries in this area when it comes to um diversity and inclusion i think there's mm -hmm. lots of industries that are making strides and making statements to improve um so yeah yeah i'd uh just because my, it wasn't my personal experience i can't generalize and say that makes for a good or a bad industry i don't think yeah. anyone's been hands in this Oh, no, I would quite happily speak for the entire SEO industry. <laughs> no. uh, Helena, so tell us what you do. Have you ever experienced it, obviously, outside your own personal story? No, I've been very lucky I haven't, but I'm a hairdresser, so it's kind of that sort of thing, you know, you sexuality, however you... Um, choose to identify as has been very open uh, but I've never worked with anybody that's been transgender I've only worked with um, um, people who are gay really other than that but everyone's pretty open to it so no I can't say I've experienced it do you think that because um, you, you alluded to it you know, you're a hairdresser it is one of those industries that is synonymous with you know, gay people become hairdressers. Do you mm. think there was a higher proportion of particularly gay men, but, you know, gay people of any gender when you worked there? Sorry, I didn't catch that bit. Did you say a particularly high proportion of what, sorry? Of gay people. Do you think there were just more of them and that's why it's quite an open industry? Um, yeah, I guess. And also if, uh, yeah, so the guys are more open if they are straight because they're going into an artistic career. So it's kind of expected. So you don't really think anything of it. And, and they never really did either. Mm. Okay. Thank you very much. Miranda, um, tell us your story. Because we were obviously chatting before you came on the show. Uh, and you were telling me that you transitioned after your retirement so tell me tell me your story and where you're coming from on this I, I, i'm getting a few sound problems a lot of um background noise coming through so i'm sort of up to get what you're saying a lot of the time um yes i i um i'm retired now so you know so transphobia in the workplace doesn't really apply to me but um um but I worked. I, I was a civil servant. I worked for the for the county court, um, and I was a, a county court bailiff. Um, so that was the reason why I couldn't come out um, years and years ago. Uh, it, it, you know, I had to wait until I retired. Um, and and actually, um, it wasn't until just after my my dad had died that I actually came 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 out to my wife, um, and then followed on to the family uh, and then finally on to friends and then to the wider world um, as such. Um, but um, yeah, uh, so that it was quite difficult for me being in my profession. Um, 
whilst I was I was sort of um, I was dressing all the time I was a bailiff. I couldn't I couldn't present myself as Miranda at all, and um, it was it was it was quite difficult, you know, for me. I mean, sometimes I'd wear some feminine clothing when I was going out. Um, but, um, and I used to laugh to myself because I used to think, well, if, if somebody on the doorstep who was quite challenging anyway, if they knew what I was wearing underneath, you know, my very smart, um, bailiff gear, you know, my nice smart jacket and, 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 and trousers, you know, I, I, my life would be worth living. So, so yeah, it was quite challenging from that point of view. So that was the only reason why I, I was able to come out uh, later on in my life. Um, um, as far as um, transphobia in the workplace, I think the thing is with with a lot of government departments, they're quite accepting of virtually lots of people, but um, but it's all it's very often a case of ticking a box, you know. Uh, that, so. It, the moment somebody would come out and this, you know, in, in say, um, as a, as a, a gay or, or as, um, you know, lesbian as such, then suddenly they would have to have office meetings and you'd have to start signing all these little declarations to say that this was going to happen, that was going to happen. You had to, you had to be careful what you said and everything. So it was quite difficult from that point of view. And I mean, there was quite a few people, well, I say a few, quite a few, there was a few people in the office who were lesbians, who were were um, were um, were gay, um, but it, it didn't make a difference, not in the slightest. I mean, um, and probably my best friend in the office was actually a lesbian, uh, and I hate using that term because I hate using uh, labels for anybody. Uh, but she was just she was just a good person, and um, she still works in the county court, um, and I'm still in touch with her. She's she's married her partner, you know. Um, and we, we're still keeping touch and, you know. The, I want to pick up on that, Miranda, because that's actually a really interesting point, isn't it? That there is this kind of stereotype. So you were working in the court system in, in you know, the bailiffs. And, and there is a bit of a, um, uh, whether it's a myth or a stereotype, I don't know. But, um, that you know, within the probation service, the police force, the prison service, that there were some quite burly butch women, so i.e. there's a lot of lesbians, yep. but if there was a gay man, you know, that, that would not be permitted. Because as you say, it's quite, uh, um, you know, quite a, you have to be quite a, a, a butch, um, you know, it's got a, an impression of being a, a very manly uh, profession, hasn't it? Is, is that what you found? Uh, well, yes, of course. Um, it... Uh... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I couldn't have done it. I would have probably been asked to move to a different job or something. Really? Um, simply because, I, well, I think I, that's how I think I, I would see it because it's difficult to talk about it now because I, I've been out. I've been out of um, the job now for you know eight years, but mm. nine years. So uh, things are always moving forward. Um, but I think the. the, the the problem is, it's 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 only with a, a minority of people. It's not with the majority of people. And and um, when 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 I read that um, you know it, it gone the other way about people being more frightened to come out, that really surprised me because, I mean, I've I was born in the fifties. I've I've gone through the the sixties, the seventies, and the eighties. And it wasn't until when things started to become much more liberated in the 90s and towards the end of the 90s that people 
started to ask the question about people like me, you know, um, and I was able to sort of, and you know, I would say thank God for Google. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known what the hell I was until, until I was able to look on Google because I just didn't have a clue. You know, I was, yeah. I was, I was confused. I was, I was frightened, and um, you know, and that's what it was. And it, and, and when I found out, it, it, it was just like a big light came on, and this weight came off my shoulders that I was able to sort of find out what I actually was. Um, and then I started to, you know, to learn all about it and, and you start to learn all the terminology. And then you, because you think you're the only person in the world who's got this problem. Yeah. And then suddenly you find out that there's probably somebody down the bottom of the street. There's, there's 10 people in the city, you know, yeah. and then you suddenly find all these other people about. Um, and then and then you start communicating with them and, and you still think you're a bit of a freak. Um and, uh, you know, it does take a lot of understanding, um, not just for the, the outside community, but for my community as well, you know, because we're still learning. And, you know, it just it's just a, even now, you know, I'm still learning so much, not just about myself, but about, you know, um, the LGBTQ uh, community in general. It's really um, interesting that as well, isn't it? Because you're absolutely right. You know, your generation were, you know, it just wasn't talked about. You just didn't talk about it. You know, you were you were normal and you were hetero and that and that was it. And anything else, if you were, you know, you brushed it under the carpet. And then, as you say, you, you found this community. But again, it's very much about putting people, giving people labels and putting them in boxes, isn't it? So it, it's the assumption of, oh, well, if you wear them as clothing, you're obviously gay. You know, you're obviously some sort of pervert. You know, you, you, you should have some sort of corrective treatment or whatever. And in a way, I suppose, you know, Helena's generation was probably more able to accept it than your own generation was. I don't know, Helena, did you find that? Were your, what were your friends like? Were they quite understanding and accepting or...? Not. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, uh, I had a lot of people questioning me because they didn't understand it either. So, um, and like, I know obviously a lot of people don't, don't like the whole label thing, but I think it. I think if there is a label, it does help other people understand you as a person. Well, maybe not as a person, but I don't know. It's, it's that's a bit of a, a blurred line, really, isn't it? But it but, gives yeah, people no, that doesn't it? Sorry. <laughs> Gives people a way in so they can sort of say, all right, I kind of know what they yeah. Let's ask some questions. Yeah, also, so you don't offend people. Because if I know, um, you know how people like to be, uh, the pronouns and how you like to be him or, I, I, I don't understand it myself. I don't want to offend people. So I like to ask questions so I understand it. So I can, I can, I can know a little bit more about them. So, but yeah, so a lot of people did ask me questions about it. And to be honest, a lot of people are just curious to understand about it. And I thought I knew more about it than what I did until my dad came out. And then, um, and that's when I really understood it a lot more. Because hmm. Miranda, because you are still married to your wife, aren't you? You've been married to for a long time. So it was never anything to do with sexuality. It was purely a kind of expression of who you felt like you were on the inside, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Um, 
the, the day I sat down at the, the, the table with my wife and I said, I've got something to tell you, was probably the hardest bit of all. And she looked at me and she had this look of horror on her face because she thought I was going to tell her that I was seeing another woman. And actually I was. <laughs> and I didn't actually say that to her. I said, well, actually I'm seeing another woman. And, and she, she, she started to cry. And I said, but it's not what you think. So I just showed her a picture of me, a very awful picture on my iPad I'd saved. And she just, and she burst out crying. And I thought, oh my God, that's it. And at that moment, I thought, I thought my marriage was over. I thought, that's it, you know. Um, and we never talked about it for about three weeks. And I say three weeks, because it was actually three weeks later that we sat down at the kitchen table again. And I just said to her, I says, you've never mentioned anything about Miranda. She says, well, I didn't want to upset you. And I says, upset me? Surely it's the other way around. And she says, well, no, I want to learn about it, she says. Um, and, and Deb doesn't identify, she identifies as a heterosexual woman um, with, you know, and it took her about 18 months to understand what it was like to be trans. And, and it, because in the early days, I mean, um, you know, going back to what Helena was saying, in the early days, I didn't know what to call myself. I thought I was I was weird, I was a freak, you know, all sorts of things. And, and as soon as I was able to give myself a title, which was trans or transgender, it started to be, become much easier for me to accept in my head what it actually was. And um, so... But now, um, I'm always happy to be called trans, but, you know, now I've, now I've had my operation and now I'm living full time. I'm now coming up to the fourth, you know, the, the end of my fourth year. Um, it's, it, it's not so important to have, a, to have that sort of handle on it anymore. The only time I have to say I'm trans is when I'm trying to explain to people. And the majority of people are curious. They're not... Um, they're not anti or homophobic. They're just curious. And they and the worst thing of all is, well, the craziest thing of all is, they say, well, I, we don't know how to talk to a trans person. I said, well, yeah. just talk to me like you normally would. You know, I'm still the same person I always was. Nothing's yeah. changed. I still enjoy all the same things. I still, I still fix my car. I still do DIY around the house. I still do the garden. And I, uh, but what I have learned is I've learned how to write and I write poetry now. Um, so I do a lot of um, open mic nights uh, and I do spoken word events. And I've also done stand up as a trans comedian. And, and a majority of people in the, in the room are really interested to hear what I've got to say. And I think if you can lighten the moment by using it as a, as a comedy moment and just by the, some of the daft things that people actually say to you, um, you know, it just, it, it suddenly things fall into place. But, but um, my poetry was the most important thing for me. And it's also helped a lot of other people understand what a trans person is. We, we are somebody with two heads, you know. Yeah, well, it, uh, the thing is, you, you, you said it before, it's that um, coming from that, it, it's ignorance, isn't it? It's not 
not being willfully nasty. It's not being, you know, phobic or hateful or anything. People just don't understand. And, and you know, my mum was, was over six foot, so she was really, really tall. And people used to walk up to her all the time and go, gosh, aren't you tall? Or aren't you fit? Like, she'd never noticed. And it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. People are just curious. They, they say stupid things because they want to kind of and don't know how to do it. Well, people, yeah, they do say stupid things, but they don't realise, because they just don't know what to say to you. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been really lucky with my transition. I've lost very few friends, and the ones that I've lost, as, as we all know, aren't your true friends anyway. And they are, I can count them on, on such a small number, um, but I've, I've gained so many new friends. I, Dozens and dozens of new friends. I mean, I, I've got a season ticket at Lincoln now. I go I go and watch home games when we can eventually get back in the stadium. Um, when I first started going, everybody looked at me a bit, oh, you know, a bit strange. Um, and during the first season, there was a programme on telly. It was about a surgeon on Harley Street. And um, I, some of the people on the programme I actually knew. I'd, I'd socialised with them in, in the past, you know. And so that was of interest to see what they was they was going through themselves and what operations I was having. And one day I was down at the ground and I just sat down and there was about four different people from all different parts of the, the stand. I mean, the stand holds like five and a half thousand. And they came up to me and they said, oh, we saw that programme last night and we thought about you. So I thought... So thank you very much, you know. So it it, it got me to realise that people had seen me in this five and a half thousand seat stand, yeah. And I wasn't I wasn't scaring them. They but they no. didn't know how to talk to me, and 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 that was and that helped me to open up more to people. And now everybody who sits around me when I'm there, they're all, we're all friends, you know. I mean, they obviously call me by my 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 uh, my name as it is now. Um, and the don't, you know, don't talk about anything but football, say, you know, or you know, not interested in the, the things that you know people are talking about. The main part of you, is it? And I, and I do want us to move back to the workplace. So I am going to move on in a minute. But Hannah, Hannah's asked a question. She said, "Do you do you feel being gay is more acceptable than being trans?" Look, for example, if you if you said I was gay, would you have been more accepted than than being trans? And I want to follow that up with because what what you said about you as a person, you didn't change. You were the same person on the outside of the day, but for Helena and for your wife. The person that they were with had, you know, visibly changed. So, for example, the people assume that Deb's is gay now because she's with a woman, whereas actually in Deb's head, you're the same person that she married all those years Yeah. Um, I mean, there's been... There was once or twice when I was working as a bailiff, when I was probably a little bit frightened about what was, what was going to happen while I was there, and there's been there's been a handful of times when I've been a little bit scared about when I've walked into a you know a, a room full of people, and there's been one or two of those people in the room who are giving you that look, and you can see it, you know, from a mile off. Um, and sometimes I would go straight up to them and I would say, "Hello, how are you?" And they would either recoil in horror 
or they'd look at me a bit sort of gobsmacked and say, oh, oh yes, uh, hello, you know, and then they'd sort of grab the beer and walk off. Um, but, um, but going back to something that Helena said earlier on, and I, I've, always, I've always said this as well, that uh, Helena and, and Simone, uh, they they went to they was going to school in the in the um, in a period when it like when I was growing up it was about colour and about if he was gay that was it you know but when when my two daughters started going to school it wasn't so much about colour they understood it more and they never talked about it so and then as the as the time as time has moved on. It's it's gone from from you know it's not so uh, it, it's not talked about. It doesn't matter about it whether you're black. It doesn't matter whether you're coloured. It doesn't matter whether you're you're gay um, or lesbian. And I and I think nowadays it's a much more accepting world, um, which is is good. But from from my point of view, I don't feel so frightened now to walk into a pub. I'm always aware of my surroundings, always checking round, and I'm always being careful when I walk out of a place at night. Certainly, if I walk out of a pub and I walk, I walk into my car. I'm always very careful, and but I'm no different from a lot of a lot of women who are in the same position. Um, I'm, you know, there's there's going to be a very small percentage, four or five percent percentage of people who have been brought up in a, in a, a negative way. You're not, born, you're not born to be uh, racial. You're not born to be transphobic. That's, that's, that's taught to you in the home. And, um, and I mean, when I was growing up, I mean, um, my mom, she, she accepted everybody. You know, she was such a forgiving person. Now... If I'd come out with when I my dad was alive, he would have probably probably have said, you know, he would have probably been he wouldn't have got it, he wouldn't have understood it, and because that was his that was his upbringing. But my mum would have said, I don't care. Yeah. She would have said, ironically, she would have said, you're my son and I love you. Mm. Um, and I feel sad that I've not been able to come out to my mum, you know, when she was alive. But I'm I'm thankful to have uh, two lovely daughters who, uh, you know, yeah, it's taken them to, a while to understand me. But they they accept me because it's it's not important anymore. You yeah. know, it's who you are as a person, and it, it, it's that's the most important thing. I I have changed so much since I came out. I'm 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 just different with. Because I'm happy. That's the reason. I'm happy. So I'm able to let myself go. I'm able to be the person I always was, but couldn't, couldn't let it show. So. I, I, I often wonder, you know, when they say like, oh, you know, mums always know that when their children are gay or whatever. I, I do wonder if perhaps your mum might have, you know, she perhaps wouldn't have been that surprised if you had told her. No, I don't think she would have been surprised. Um, I would have probably been mortified if she'd probably, she'd known for like, Years and years, yeah, and never yeah. let on. That would have that would have mortified me. Um, I mean, if she was alive now, I, I would quite happily walk into the room and say, "Hello, Mum. 
you know, and she'd probably talk about what I was wearing, you know, and makeup and all sorts, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, whereas I, we've got some friends. We actually went to see them um, at the weekend. Um, went and had a coffee with them, and they're they're um, we've got a we've got a camper van, and that's how we met them. And when I I transitioned, well, after we'd um, got to know them. And Brian had said, said, oh, I hope she doesn't want to talk about makeup because I won't know what to say. <laughs> and we sat down and started talking. And we started talking about repairing cars and all sorts of things, engineering-wise. And he just suddenly opened up. And, he, and I mean, we've, we're the best of friends now as, as two couples, you know. We, we, we don't, I mean, you know, I just, I just... Just but, so and it's, it's coming back to that point, isn't it? That you are the same person inside. You know, he was friends yeah. with you before. He's going to be friends with you afterwards. Uh, I'm, I'm going to. We haven't even talked about the workplace very much yet, so I am going to move us along. So, um, Helen, though, I do just want to quickly ask, what what was you know? Did you, did you feel comfortable telling people straight away? Did it take you a while? Did you wait until people found out? Did you talk about it at work? How did you kind of deal with that? Um, well, when I uh, when I first uh, mentioned it to people at work, uh, one of the girls that I spoke to, she was by well, she was identifying as as a lesbian at that point, and then she's and then she came out as bisexual. But um, she was just just open to listening to me, so I didn't go into loads of detail. And she was uh, empathetic and towards my dad and understanding, and. Um, yeah, and just how asked me how I felt about it, which I was, I, I just felt it was a little bit surreal. But um, you know, it was like one minute it just felt normal, next minute I thought this doesn't feel real. So, but other than that, when I talk about my dad now, I have to say when I say my dad and I say she, I then have to say, oh, my dad's transgender. So when you hear me say my dad and then she, that so that they understand when I start talking about my dad, why I'm saying my dad and she. Um, but other than that, it's not very often that people, like some people ask if they're curious, but other than that, they just listen to the what the story that I'm telling them, whatever it's about. Yeah, it's really interesting that because we had this very conversation during our WhatsApp in which I said, Helena's dad, she will come on. And, and Joe yeah. said, should it not be, you know, it's not dad, if it's a she. And I said, well, no, Helena still calls her dad. Yeah. But then, yeah, the, the thing is, that means we have to have that conversation every time, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has taken a while to get used to the saying dad and she, yeah. um, but and I still slip up sometimes. Um, so but it's, I'm, I'm, it's taken me quite a long time to get used to saying dad and she, but do you know what? Um, the, the, I try to, to explain it the best way I could. To my to my children, and I what I wanted to get over to them was that I was still their dad. I wasn't just because I was wearing different clothes and being a different person. I was I was still their dad, and it's the same with my my grandchildren. I, I said to them, I remember Caris. Uh, she looked at me one day, and um, I said to her, "I'm still your granddad, you know. I'm, I'll always be your granddad." And she just, she looked at me, she had this real, I don't know, loving, 
look on her face. She put her arms around the waist, which is not very often, and then went and sat down and just carried on with everything like nothing had happened, you know. And when, and that, it took a while. After, once they, they decided what they were going to call me, because we always thought it was a bit awkward when we was out, um, because there was me dressed as a female and they'd be calling me down. And so if people would get people's attention, they'd look round. And um, it, and I I didn't feel comfortable with that. But now they call me Nanny G. And I love that. You know, that's that's a really affectionate name. And um, that, that's how I see myself as Nanny G now. So I, I love it, you know. And, um, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. It's it's those, those names are so loud, and uh, and they lead to that that, uh, that level of conversation. So I, I just want to we're away from it. Honestly, I'm sitting off this conversation. But when you found it interesting before, Miranda, you were saying that you've been out of work for almost a decade, and you wouldn't have felt comfortable at the time that you first started working. Do you think if you were still at work now, given the fact that we have that statistic that more, more people feel they need to hide their, their sexual or their gender, do you feel if you were still at work you would be able now to reveal it, or do you still feel you wouldn't feel you wouldn't be comfortable going through a transition at work? Um, it would be a struggle. Um, because I've got I've got lots and lots of trans friends who have come out at work, but that I know what the pain they've gone through. Uh, in fact, one who lives, um, I don't know, Leicester Way, Leicester, Birmingham Way, I can't think now. Uh, she was terrified about coming out at work and she had to go through HR first, you know, and then they, because then they start laying down all the ground rules. And now she, she, she's presenting herself in a, in a female um, role. Um, she's had all her, uh, her ID pass change over to a new name etc um so, so i know how difficult it is as far as i go it would have probably been very difficult as a bailiff to have there are there are female bailiffs don't get me wrong i mean my my manager was was female um but um so it's not it's not unusual to have a female bailiff but dressing as some because the people who i used to go to dressing presenting myself as female and trying to, to, you know, make some sort of sense to them. Some of the people that you go and see were just, you know. Yeah. Um, it would have been difficult. They would have probably concentrated more on on having a pop at me because I was I was dressing in a female role. Um, so it, it would have been very difficult. Mm. Um just out of curiosity, your friend that, that transitioned at work, you said she had a really difficult time. Was that because um, because she just had to go through that process so visibly and she had to, you know, have her past change and blah, blah, blah? Or did she actively face discrimination, you know, from, from her colleagues or her management or what was it? No, I think I think the, the problem is with, with, with us all, we all overthink situations. We all think the the worst possible thing, the scenario that's going to happen. And quite frankly, it's it's very often the opposite to what we're, what we're concentrating on. Um, yeah, she was scared, just as I was scared when I first came out to the world. And she was scared because she's still working. Um, and a lot of my other trans friends have had to go through that, a similar process. So some of them have actually lost their jobs. They've lost their family. 
they've lost everything in their life, you know. Um, so I consider myself to be really lucky. But, yeah, it, was, it, it would have been very difficult for her. And I think now, and I, it was a bit like when I told, I told Debs uh, that night, which is, uh, blimey, um, 10 years ago now, um, I, you know, once that's, once that secret, that really dark, deep secret has come out, you, you feel like the whole world has been lifted off your shoulders. But what I'd actually done was, to, with Debs in particular, all I'd done was I'd passed that heavy load onto her shoulders because she couldn't talk about it. She didn't know who to talk about it to. Um, and she kept saying to me, can I tell mom? And I said, no, let's, we've got to do it the right way. And it took about six months before we could actually go and tell her brother, his wife. And just as we were telling them, in walked my mother-in-law through the door. And I, I was, oh, I was, I was livid because I wanted to tell them first, you know. And then when, and I said, oh, I'll, I'll start again. So I had to go for the whole process again. It was agony for me. Um, mm. So, so, you know, it, it's it, it is difficult. It's difficult. But once you get past that and you get past all the the obstacles that are in your head, the easier it becomes. And and it's become easier for me writing, writing my poetry. And write it in such a way that actually gets a, it gets people's mind thinking, and people will come up to me afterwards who I thought were would would be very anti, have come up to me and congratulated me for for helping them understand what it's like to be you know something different. And I think that's absolutely um, crucial. So my 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 next question is is about you know the workplace and how do we start to normalise it in the workplace, but. We do that by normalising everyday life. So, so Kareem, who is my cousin from America, hi Kareem, he's been brought, he's a practicing Muslim and has been brought up Muslim. And he shared something, I'm sure you won't mind me telling this, shared something on his Facebook page a while ago now. Um, I don't think it was specifically about trans, I think it was about um, homophobia or, or something. And quite a lot of people um, jumped on that and said, you know, this is not permitted by our religion, it's not sanctioned in the Quran, you know. Shouldn't be thinking like this, blah, blah. And Kareem very valiantly, you know, batted back and argued with them. Um, and so, you know, it, it's still very real, isn't it? This kind, this level of prejudice, not just religious, or you know, it's in all walks of life, all religions, all cultures. This, yeah. this view that it's not normal. And and how do we then enable people? You know, the, the younger generation are fairly flexible with it, but particularly, you know, people who are sort of thirty-five and upwards. How? How do we normalise this situation and persuade people that you know sexuality is a fluid thing and gender is a fluid thing? Is it, is it just yeah. by talking about it and, and all the things that you're doing? Around I, I I don't think um, we'll, you can normalise it within a, a religious belief. Um, that I mean, I've worked in the Middle East, so I know exactly what it's like over there. Um, the way they treat uh, the opposite sex. Um, but, you know, this is the world what we live in at the moment. We live in a, a, a world of bathroom debates, religion, religious beliefs. And I don't think, I mean, when we, when we were watching the news a few years ago with ISIS and they were throwing gay people off roofs and, and anybody who didn't, who wasn't on their side, there was, there was murdering them, chopping the heads off and all that. 
you know, that's that's what they believe in. And I don't think you're ever going to be able to change that. But when you think about it, they are such a tiny minority. Now, I know um, the Muslim religion, it covers, you know, a vast part of the planet. But, um, but the extreme, the extremes of religion, you'll never be able to do anything about. Just as you'll never really be able to change somebody's mind in the pub who's been brought up to believe that a man is a man and a woman is a woman, you know, black is black is black and grey and white is white. You're never going to be able to change that. It's just through it, it from those perspectives. It is about education, but there are just some people you're never going to be able to convince. So, so the thing is, sorry. So, so the thing is. To get through life as somebody different, like a trans person, that you have to surround yourself with the right people. You don't, you, you know, in life, don't surround yourself with negative people. And the, the few negative people that used to be in my life have gone. They're, they're no longer part of my life. So that has, has helped my mental health, you know, because I was going through lots of mental health issues, you know, uh, for years and years, long before I even understood what I was. Um, so, you know, it wasn't it, on more than one occasion. I didn't want to be living anymore. You know, I was prepared to kill myself. And it's only but now I'm just the opposite. I'm so happy with my life. And I've got I've got so much going for me. You know, I've got a have got a great family. I've got a, a absolutely fantastic wife who's just, you know, people who accept me for what I am. An end of story, you know, basically. Yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, uh, what, what do you think? How do you think we we start to normalise it and have those conversations with society and in the workplace? Well, I just wanted to bring attention to there was. Um, I don't know who it is because it just says Facebook user, but someone here is just leading up prior to our discussion just now has shared that as a practice talk about being a practicing Muslim but being working in management in the US that you know that it wasn't you know that it's sort of in non-hetero is not discussed or broached this this person has written but, mm. having, but having worked in the US they've had to learn to embrace to um, new words and new ways of thinking to give fair treatment. So I just think that's a lovely balance to, you know, even within a, a religious setting that doesn't allow for even a conversation, that individuals are taking themselves out of those belief systems to think differently. Um, so I, I, I think don't know. we're bringing it back to the humanity as well, isn't it? It's, and, you know, what Randall's saying about her poetry and her stand-up comedy, you know, if you share a personal experience with somebody, you know, that, that, that blanket view of this is bad and this is right comes from not understanding or not knowing anybody in that situation. And I think just by hearing somebody else's story and thinking, oh, actually, you know, there is a bit of humanity in that, that that's what needs to start, isn't it? But I think um, it was uh, during one of my uh, writing conferences, romance writing conferences about diversity and inclusion. Um, it was in America, in America and they were talking mainly around race. But um, a woman in the, um, in the audience when we're having the discussion, an African-American lady just said, fundamentally, we've got more in common than we ha have differences. We're all human yeah. beings. 
And mm. it is, it's just let's relate to one another as human beings that we do have so much more in common. We love and we cry and we hurt and we smile. There's so many more things that are shared. Yeah. And if we can approach individuals from there as a basis, that's such a more powerful place to come from, yeah. not how you differ. Um, mm. and, it's, and that, you know, in itself, just an ethos, how people bring up the children, how you talk in the workplace, that can all help. You know, inclusive, inclusivity doesn't push other people out. It, inclusivity serves and helps the human race. You know, mm. we're just more the same than we are different, and I, I think that's absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Uh, Helena, gonna... Oh, go on, Mandy. Yeah. Sorry, I'm going to say it does take much more energy to 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 be negative than what it does to be okay. to, to share joy in somebody else's life. You know, I mean, that's that's what it's all about at the end of the day. It's an all-consuming thing to be angry with other people. Yeah takes a lot of commitment doesn't it to hate and to be angry and to to project all of that and it is so much easier just being you know just saying all right you know there are people on this planet and they're different to me but that's okay um Helena I do just want to ask you because because Miranda you mentioned about Kerry so Kerry's your little girl she's I think she's a similar age to Leon isn't she but you know yeah. uh, Leon has many um aunties and uncles and family and friends and stuff who are gay who are in same-sex relationships who have children don't have children blah blah, blah. um and and that to him now is just normal he, he you know he's quite happy that relationships come in all shapes and sizes and and it was really nice that Kerry just accepts that you know she's got a granddad that's maybe not the same as everybody else's granddad is there anybody else in Kerry's class that has any anything like that, you know, gay parents. Does she see any other examples? Do you think there's kind of hope for the next generation? Um, no, I guess not because um, I don't know. Maybe that's just Lincoln. It's like we're all. I, I like to think most people in Lincoln are fairly open-minded. I haven't sort of seen too much negativity regarding race or uh, um, by uh, sexuality or anything. But um, I just talk to her very openly in a child-friendly way um whatever it's about so like she's very open to anyone she said she, i can't remember what she said something about her stuffed dog and she said oh she called it he and then she said oh well well it, it might not want to identify as a he whatever it identifies as and I thought oh. so I know they do educate them really well at school with stuff like that and relationships and you know what's acceptable what's not and then with the stuff that uh, I'm open to uh, open with her about you know she's never got any questions but um but no I don't no not that I know of there's not a lot of that that I've seen but she's I'm, I'm waiting for I'm waiting for her to ask me questions to be fair um, you know, she just accepts me for what I am, and we just go and do normal things. I'm just waiting for her to start get to the point where she starts asking me questions about about me, why why I'm like what I am. You know, I don't do you know think she thinks anything of it. So my, my dad's in a wheelchair because he had a stroke uh, about 11, 12 years ago. And I was like, I was waiting for Leon to, to sit me down so we could have the conversation about why is crazy grandpa Joe different and why is he in a wheelchair? Well, never, never asked me a seat. He just accepts it. That's just the way crazy grandpa Joe is. He's in a wheelchair. That's the end of it. 
And I think that's the, that's the great thing, isn't it, about kids, is that, that they don't need to know because that's just you and that's the way you are and that's enough of an explanation for them. So, yeah, you yeah. might be waiting a long time for that conversation, Miranda, because she probably does not care. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, when, I, mean I, I thought I was a little bit different when I was probably seven or eight years old um, because I always preferred to pl play with the girls and what I did with the lads. And, and as I got older, I, well, even now, I still prefer the company of females. I, I don't know, you know, people might think that's just a little bit, you know, ooh, you know, a bit dodgy. Um, but no, I, it's, that's, it's been, and, and of course, when I had, and the male friends I had were sort of like ones and twos. I didn't have lots of mates. I had a few mates, but, um, but I've always been more akin to the, the female gender. And I can always have a more, much more comfortable conversation with with women than what I can with men. I mean, men, you, t you talk the usual crap, you know. Um, and it's the same conversation with with a man, you know. Um, yeah, did you come down but, the toll road? <laughs> <laughs> it's been a journey, <laughs> as they say. But no, <laughs> yeah, I mean... I, I was worried when I when I first transitioned. I was worried about that what women were going to think about me, and and when I got it in my head that really it didn't matter because I did it didn't matter. Um, I wasn't trying to be anybody else but me at the end of the day, and that's all that mattered. You know, as long as I can be myself, and if people um, like my company and enjoy talking to me, then that, that was. That was good as far as I was concerned, you know. Yeah. yeah. And we are going to leave it there because we've gone massively over time here. So. I, I would like to just read a poem, which which takes three minutes, if, I, if I may. I would love you to read a poem, yes. Go on. Right. I, I, did, I would actually like... It was actually the very first one I wrote, and I performed it um, at an open mic night, and the, the place was packed out, and when I had finished... The, everybody threw their arms up in the air and, I'd, and I, I was asked to read it for three months on a trot and, and I, since then I've been writing lots more stuff but I'll, I, will, I will recite it to you now Yes, please um, Okay um, I'm not going to cry, am I? Are you going to make me cry? No, no, no <laughs> but it'll make, hopefully it'll make you think um, All right, It starts off with Have you ever done something that's changed your life forever? You see, when you're trans, life never seems to make much sense when it seems the university is, is out to wrong you and put you to a black or white box you don't belong to, a lemonade mix of lunatics and politics, a blinkered vision of perception, subdivision, sex change or interchange. But I will not be that funny little T that hangs tight to the right of the LGB, your scapegoat or whipping girl or pleasure boat to ride upon. And since... When did the pitch of my voice mean I now have a choice to express the person that I'm thinking? And who am I to question the facts of life about the boys and the girls and the X and the Ys when the only thing I've known sometimes are the tears that fill my eyes when asked, what am I? Is that too much to ask the human race? But, you know, all our lives are full of subtle nuances. So here's just a little bit about me. I'm tall, I'm slender, I was born the wrong gender, and I'll be chemical engineer to express the right gender. With everything from the face to the ace, spending two to six years of surgical mending and thousands of pounds of personal spending to finally be that girl, a real manufactured cultured pearl. 
And yes, I have a caring family and loving wife who deal remarkably well with my change of life. You see, from the moment I told you nothing's changed except those different clothes and a lot less testosterone. I'll talk about poetry and football and even Formula One and I'll tell those same daft jokes a hundred times bar none. But even after all this, it still pays me to be light on my feet. Because I ask you, have you ever tried to run in heels? Have you ever tried to run for your fucking life in heels? You see, how can you win this race when they're lurking in your inbox and want to spit in your face so I run to the shops when I used to walk? And it hurts. Because I don't want to be that bunch of flowers on the street. How can, you how can you converse with a man who has a dick in his hand when perhaps the only trans he's ever seen are those having sex on his laptop screen? God hates fags, does he really? I mean, really. Are we even allowed to speculate on the man beyond the pearly gate? Isn't a rule about that at the back, back of the book that was used to attack us of all that hate? So I ask again, have you ever done something that's changed your life forever? Some of the prettiest eyes have cried the worst tears and some of the kindest hearts have felt the worst pain. So rest in peace, all those beautiful trans people from around the world who have died at the hands of the state. You see, it really is gender gates when you put your hands into their fate. I'd clap, but I'm holding my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard it before, a long time ago? Yeah, you've heard it once, yeah. That yeah. was really powerful, Miranda, and really moving. And Don't cry, though, because now you're going to make me cry. I'm on my period. <laughs> I know there's going to be tears everywhere. <laughs> well, it's, it, it's the reaction that I get whenever I read it, and the room goes yeah. into silence, and then I've had teachers, I've had, oh, look, People, the roughest arseholes have come up to me and said, wow, that was so powerful, you know. Mm. And they've sat down and chatted to me. And it's, it, to be honest with you, at times it's blown me away when they've come and spoke to me that actually people want to know what it's like to be like me, you know. Yeah. So, oh, Joe, have you not got a tissue near you? I've got one. I've got one. Brilliant, brilliant. There we go. We, we asked the question, how do we how do we change people's minds and how do we get more inclusivity into the workplace? Uh, poetry. Poetry is the answer. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. I, 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 yeah, thank you. I, we can't top that. So I would just like to really thank both of you. Thank you, Miranda and Helena, it's, for coming it's been on. A pleasure. Thank you for your it's been honesty. A pleasure. Um, yeah, I had, again, I had a page full of questions that we were going to ask, and it was just too interesting <laughs> to hear both of your stories. Well, I'll tell you what, I could, I could talk all for, you know, not even reach everything I've, I want to talk about. But uh, no, thank you for listening to me. Uh, I, I'm, I'm blessed to have people, you know, in my life who understand me and who want to listen. And um, thank you very much. Thank you. It's wonderful. We'll get you back on shortly. Right now, now we have to do the waving. We have to do the silly waving. So thanks, everybody. We'll be back <laughs> soon. Bye. Bye.